for many, you might have interacted with a portion of scripture that reads, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Do you ever pause for a moment and conduct an internal assessment whenever you read that verse? Suppose you've ever wondered what functional role the heart plays in our relationship with God and how it enables you to maximize the possibilities we have in Christ Jesus. You might want to stick around for the next four episodes as we do an in-depth study on the inner workings of the heart and how it interplays in our desire for God, our role in service and how we ultimately worship God. Hello boys and girls, how have you been? Do we just ask each other, like everybody? Yeah, yeah. first. Do what you feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hear someone's voice in the background. We mm-hmm. would introduce her shortly, but, you know, it's a usual flow to just, you know, find out how we're all doing, how our week has been, and then, you know, mm-hmm. go with the flow of the podcast. But yeah, Manu, how have you been? I've been okay. I will always mention that I've graduated. <laughs> <laughs> because when this podcast started it was always i'm doing school i'm doing school i'm doing school but i've graduated i've left Hallelujah. and then uh, we'll always say congratulations again congratulations yeah. <laughs> you have to make me play with more blood and tears mm. <laughs> but uh yeah so it's, it's been pretty good my work has been okay work has been good and yeah just normal N- nothing exciting Piums is like, are you sure? <laughs> True. And I wasn't even going to out you, but you're doing that all by yourself. So <laughs> enjoy yourself. Now you have to explain to us. No, 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 you don't. No, you actually no, don't need to. No, 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 no. All we know is that something happened and, you know, very soon we'll be celebrating with Emmanuel in a big way. Yeah. Um, wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but is like, what? Awesome. She wants to know. You, 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 you find out very soon. Um, but honestly, seeing seen here, um, and my weeks have been good. Nothing too exciting, to be honest. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that that story changes. I've actually started like a new um, thing I'm trying to incorporate into my weeks. And it was actually, every time I'm speaking, there's always Pastor Miss. If you don't have Pastor Miss, if you need a record. It's not on Mother's Day. But she gave me an assignment to plot in time for fun every week. And so I manually have to think about what I need to do and... Um, schedule in time every week to actually do something fun which I wasn't doing before like she asked me when was the last time you had fun I was like yeah um, mm. I was looking at three four months and I've done nothing so mm. I guess that has really been um, a great addition to my scheduling every week yes. and just having fun I sometimes when they're like natural things that are just in my schedule for example next week is Emmanuel's sister's birthday that is my fun thing <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do anything that's yeah, the best that is fun that's, that's honestly the best way to schedule <laughs> to be honest like, will never happen. keep it coming <laughs> it never happen so I'm naturally going to do that next week um, this week did I do anything I might have to report to myself because <laughs> 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 I have to keep myself accountable to that but enough about me there's this light voice you're hearing in the just she doesn't <laughs> <laughs> there's a sweet personality we have with us there's an amazing amazing woman of god here with us um anchoring our series on the inner workings which is the blueprint of heart for god i'll let her introduce herself tell us about your week let us know who you are we usually have a, a special question for our guests just to get more of their personality out of them okay my name is laura laura derek bigby I am one of the servants here in KICC, um, Canada, or one of the stewards. Maybe I should put it <laughs> that way instead. 
<laughs> but same thing, really, right? Um, stewards. Uh, um, my week, my week has been good, very busy. Um, it's been a busy week for me, which is good as well. Busy with work mostly, right? But yeah, it's been fun. My kids have have kept me busy as well. Sometimes I'm coming out of work and I'm going straight to one activity or the other before I even get home. Yeah, it's been a good week for me. Thank you for asking. That's nice. Thank you for sharing. Pastor Laura is a bit, she had a busy day yesterday, but despite how busy things were, she said this podcast is a priority. Yes, mm. it has and to happen. I'm trusting, yes. <laughs> I'm trusting what God is doing with the platform and you guys. So I had to, she had to make it here and we just thank you for making it out. So would you be able to tell us what is one interesting thing about one interesting thing. Actually, there are quite a number of interesting things I could share, but let me just say what I find interesting at this point in my life. I would say helping people experiencing homelessness find homes. For me, that is, you know, something I, I find fulfilling, excited to do, happy to do. So that is putting, you know, some joy in, in uh, some joy, some fun <laughs> in my job. So, yeah. That's what I'll share. That's more than interesting because yeah. it brings up questions like, how do you actually go about doing that in your own way? Okay. So what it is, is there are actually programs out there. There are, you know, opportunities out there for people who are in those situations to get housed. It's just that a lot of them do not know that, right? Um, a lot of them do not have the skill set to do that. A lot of them do not you know, know how to connect all the moving parts and, you know, get themselves to the place where they actually do get housed. So that's why stepping can be a very daunting process. So my job is to help them through that process, help them navigate the process, help them simplify the process, help them move towards that big goal of getting getting housed. So that's it really. So I know about those programs you know, I know how they work. A lot of them have different eligibility criteria. So um, I try to get them to be eligible, right? So that we can, you know, just push forward with that. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> yeah, we're starting this series. This is actually a first series ever since um, we've been releasing episodes with Bob. And um, we've, we thought it wise to actually incorporate the topics and the recordings that we needed to do for this um for for the next few weeks into a series just because it allows us to actually have a more focused look into what we're talking about and what we're trying to draw out from these episodes so the series is called inner workings and mostly because we are talking about the heart we don't really see the heart but it plays a very vital role in our relationship with god and so i guess just starting off with unraveling this entire series that we're embarking on, today's focus really is understanding the heart posture. And so we wanted to bring in someone that is that, that has a, a heart for God, and she's definitely shown that in our role in service to share more about what the Word of God says and how that has also connected with her experiences and everything that she's she's been learning as she's continued to journey with God. So, Pastor Laura, I guess the first question would be, in terms of our relationship with God, how does the Bible describe the role of the heart? And why is God drawn to the heart of a believer? Okay. 
I'm just going to say that I think that, and then, I mean, this is even, you know, from the word of God, the heart is really where it starts for every believer. That's where it begins. So the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 10, it says that with the heart we believe and then with the mouth we confess. So that is where, you know, the thought process about do I want to make this decision for Jesus? Do I want to give my life over to him? Do I want to submit it all, surrender it all? Right? That's where it starts before we then go ahead and, and open our mouths and say that, yes, I confess, you know, Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So that's the really, as far as relationship with God is concerned, that is the first place that we begin to consider that relationship. And then we take a step of action that is seen outwardly. And why is God drawn to the heart of a believer? So, you know, when we talk about the heart, ordinarily, you know, minds probably just go straight to the organ, the physical organ. But of course, that's not what we're talking about. In in When the heart is used in the Bible, a lot of times it's, you know, it speaks to our emotions, our desires, our inclinations, you know, our feelings towards God or toward man. So it's not the physical heart. I'm sure that, of course, I'm sure we all know that, right? So why is God drawn to this? God is drawn to the state of a man's heart because that is the seat of our emotions. That is the seat of our desires. That is the seat of our feelings. That is where our true motives are. That is where our true intentions sit. That is where, you know, what we truly feel, what we truly want, what we truly desire, that is where it starts from, beyond what we end up doing. And the Bible tells us that God does not look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart because he knows that that is where your true motives are. That is where the things that you truly want, that is where they emanate from. I could very well be doing one thing on the outside, but it is not, you know, heartfelt. It is not something I really want to do. It is not something I really desire to do. So God is not looking at what I am doing on the outward. He's looking at where what I'm doing stems from. Does it stem from a heart that truly wants to do this thing? So if it, if it is maybe a service for God, for example, he's going to look beyond, oh, my running around in church, my singing, my, you know, serving, my teaching. But what is the motive behind my wanting to do that? Am I doing it from a heart that truly wants to do that? And I kind of feel like this is something I've always done, you know, as a young Christian and growing up and sharing with people as well. The need for that continuous heart check. I think you called it an assessment, right? An internal assessment. I used to call it a heart check. I would say to myself, Laura, check your motives. Check your intentions. Check your, you know, your reasons for all these things that you're doing. And just to be sure that, you know, my heart is in the right place, right? Just to be sure that my heart is in the right place. The Bible says where the Bible first mentions the word heart. If we look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Let me just go there and read it. And this will give us an insight why we want to continuously do that heart check. Genesis 6 and verse 5. It says, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Bible also tells us in Jeremiah that the heart of man is desperately wicked. So what that means is that the natural man, 
the unregenerate man, the man whose heart has not been touched by Jesus, the man who hasn't come to that place in Romans 10, his heart is continually evil. His heart doesn't have the right motives, never has the right intentions, never does things for the right reasons. But because we are the regenerated man, the one who, you know, God has taken out that heart of flesh, of stone, and replaced with a heart of flesh, then uh, the expectations from our hearts is now different. However, because we are transforming, we are getting regenerated, it is a process. We want to continuously do that self-check that we talked about to be sure that, yes, I am moving more towards the person that God will have me be, far away from the person that I was originally. So, yeah, that is really why God would God is drawn to the heart because he knows that that is the seed of... The Bible says that guard your hearts with all diligence because that is where the issues of life flow from. That is where everything that you will do, it will start with a thought process and then it will become an action. What was the thought behind the action? That is what God is checking out. So I would say that that is, you know, why God is drawn to the heart. Wow. Um, <laughs> so much, so much to yeah. learn from that, to be very honest. It draws me back to our recording on faith versus manifestation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was shared, um, was it even that episode? I think it was that episode where, you know, we had discussed that there was, a, there was a pastor in Nigeria. And, you know, one of the things that he shared with his members is, if you want to know the reason behind my growth spiritually and the things that we experience as a body, check my heartbeat for God. Come into a space of consciousness where... You know, when we're talking about heart check, part of the questions that came in was like to my mind was the frequency of that. And it says, I don't want to say every day. I, I want to bring it down to every moment before you make that decision, before you take that action, even with your thoughts to ensuring that everything aligns in such a way that you are drawing yourself back to, is this for God at all points in time? Like, would, would God be pleased with you know, me taking this step and am I being led by his spirit in such a way that, you know, my heart is literally sold out for him. It's 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 you in the driver's seat or I, I know that there's, there's a particular way that PD puts it, it will, when he's talking about driving. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm not too sure if there's anything that you want to add to that. Oh, so the first verse that came to mind was like Matthew 12, 33 to 35. And it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a true a tree is known by its fruit. Broad of this is when it's talking to the Pharisees, so it's, it can be a bit harsh. <laughs> Brother vipers, how how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the treasure brings forth evil things. So the heart is a it's the very thing that produces the fruit, and God understands that the heart is so vital to the health of mankind. If anyone can have a surren- surrendered heart, then truly they are surrendered to God. And the scripture says, for the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we understand that our mouth is a powerful creation tool. So if we are to acknowledge with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, it will be because our heart has first acknowledged it. And also in Ezekiel uh, 36 verse 26, it says that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone, heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. 
And from here, we also learn that the key of keeping God's commandment is to actually have a heart of flesh that he gives us. A heart that truly knows and acknowledges God is its source and its sustenance. And then, as Dr. Sam would say, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. So, yeah. Very short, but there's a lot to unpack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> should I have taken that um, point by point? That way we'll be able to digest. Because now you've just thrown us in a different tangent. Where do we, where do we start from there? Uncle, what are you doing? Calm down. <laughs> Okay, so we've been able to speak from one perspective, which is a believer having a heart for God. But it was very interesting because for myself, I really had to think, what is the heart of God? Because we've, we've spoken about believers having a heart for God, but what is the heart of God? Okay, so as we know, the heart is you know, the central part of a person. Just as the physical heart is where everything flows from in the human body, the spiritual heart is also the essence of the, of the person. So the heart of God is the essence of who God is. It's everything that God is, everything that God desires, everything that God intends, all of God's intentions, all of his inclinations, all of the things that he wants poured out to us because it's towards us that, you know, he expresses his heart. So the heart of God is everything that God is, is the whole essence of who God is. And Honestly, that is all revealed in his word. All of his desires, all of his intentions, all of his inclinations, all of his motives towards us. And it is all revealed in his word. Unless we, we go into his word, we would not know what the heart of God is concerning us. And when we go in, we find that his heart is love. His heart is mercy. His heart is grace. His heart is compassionate. A scripture that... I won't say sums it up, but you know, what stresses it a lot is, is Jeremiah 29, 11. God says that I know the thoughts, the plans, the desires that I have for you. I know what I'm thinking concerning you. I know how I feel about you. All my thoughts for you are thoughts of good. Everything I want for you is good. Everything I desire for you is good. There is no evil in it. There is no disaster. There is no chaos. There is no confusion. There is nothing negative in all that I want for you. That's the heart that God has towards us. That's the heart of God. The heart of a man is the character of the man, is the entire essence of who the person is. And that is the same thing with God. The heart of God is who God is completely and totally. And that is revealed to us through his word, right? So when we go into his word, we see the heart of God. We see how God feels towards us. We see how God feels towards his own. So the heart of God is the essence of who God is. I love the way you broke it down. God is love, God is mercy, God is grace, um, and everything all encompassing those different those different virtues and characters, it's all summed up in his heart. And we we get to know more about his heart by reading by reading his word. Reading his word, spending time with him, spending time in prayer. Yes. It's essentially his word true. Mano, do you have anything to add to that? But yeah, I was just jotting down my notes. So ironically, um, we get insight into God's heart a lot in the Old Testament, which is weird because you would think that the New Testament would be where all the love is. It's there as well, but I just find it so interesting how people who had a glimpse of God's character also spoke about um, God's heart. So when God sent Jonah to go preach at Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria, I think, and then... They actually repent, you know, they, they go through the whole ordeal. 
And then Jonah is like mad at God. And he says in Jonah verse 4 verse 2, he said, So he prayed to the Lord and said, How, Lord, was this what was not, sorry, King James English, (laughs) was not this this what, (laughs) why, (laughs) I said when I was still in my country. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in love and kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So here we see that God's heart is one of love, and Jesus personified that um, heart, especially in the times where he would have, people would come to him and he would say, and he was moved with compassion for them. So that we just see God's heart is one of compassion, God's heart is one for love. And then scripture says that we got the, so in John chapter 1, it says that we got the glimpse from Moses referring to what they thought the character of God was like and the prophets of old witnessed the power of God in full display but they were sort of limited to understanding fully what God's heart was like if that makes sense so and then very few prophets actually saw God as slow to anger like Jonah and abundant in love and that's who actually God is God is someone who is abundant in love and one that always chases the heart of the one no matter what it takes so yeah I feel like whenever you're speaking just take those <laughs> points by points because it's, it's loaded <laughs> You get it. <laughs> if we don't get it, we have to forget about it. <laughs> but yes, a law has been communicated that literally continues that train of thought that we started off with um, from Pastor Laura. So thank you guys so much. When sometimes we get to identify people and we say, okay, this person has a heart for God. But I guess the, the follow-up to that would be what characteristics embody a person that shows and displays that they have a heart for god like what are those things that we can see even though we don't see the heart yeah what are those outward expressions that we see that points to the fact that this person definitely has a heart for god yeah so um we know that the person who that was used to describe in the bible is david and that's where that term has been you know coined from and we now use you know even in in our days. But I want us to look at the scripture that actually pointed that out in Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at the scripture and then we're going to look at the character of David himself because if he had a heart for God, then there must have been things that we can point to to say that this must be the reasons why, you know, it was said that he had a heart for, for God. So Acts 13 and 22, it says, and when he had removed him, he raised up David. So this is, this is actually talking about when God removed Saul and replaced Saul with David. He said, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, this is God testifying about David. I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. So this was someone who truly had a heart for God. And the first or the reason that God pointed out specifically was that David will do all of his will. So that points to the fact that someone who has a heart for God is someone who more than anything desires all of the will of God and to do all that God instructs or that God asks them to do. And we see that with David. We see that with David. Throughout the stories of David in the Bible, we see so let's, in fact, so many I'm just thinking of David and I'm just seeing all these characteristics, right? So even, for example, relying on God. This David is someone who would always inquire 
from God. Oh, what should I do? What should I do? And then God says, do this. And then what do we see David do? He goes ahead and he does it. He does what God had asked him to do. God says to him, you are not to build the temple, even though he had the capacity to, he had the resources to, he had everything that he probably needed at that time. He had everything. I mean, at the end of the day, he actually just left everything, you know, for Solomon to come and finish up because that was the instruction he had received from God. God had foreseen that. You know, God sees the end of the beginning. He had seen that this is the person that David is. And he says that he will do all of my will. Faithfulness, that was a characteristic we can, you know, um, attribute to, to David. He served his father so faithfully, tending those sheep in the backside of nowhere, like a pastor of mine always says. But he was faithful through it all. When the bear came, he ensured that they did not get to the did not get to the sheep. When the lion came, he ensured that he did not get to the sheep. So he was faithful. He was faithful. Another characteristic that we can attribute to someone who has a heart for God is faith. Like we also see in the life of David. When he stood before Goliath, the faith he displayed was out of this world, right? He just knew beyond any doubt that this giant was coming down because I have a God that is more than able. And he, I mean, at the end of the day, we know that it was God that really brought down, brought down Goliath. God acknowledged and honored his faith. And we know the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, God is excited when he can just see you, just come up and say, I know that God is. Everybody else around you thinks that this is just, you're just being silly and unrealistic. But you are really, from your heart, you know that I know this God. And, you know, that is having a heart for God. God is pleased with anyone who will, you know, just show that they trust him. And that was David. Through the Psalms, we see him display his trust for God. Through the Psalms, we see him display gratitude. That is another, you know, attribute for someone who has a heart for God. Just knowing that, you know, everything I am, everything I have is from this God. And so I must give him thanks. I will bless the Lord with all my soul. Everything within me blesses him. I will bless the Lord at all times. So those are, you know, attributes of people who truly have a heart for God, a, a heart that relies on God, that trusts in God, that has faith in God, that is thankful, a heart of gratitude, a heart of love, a heart of forgiveness. We see the same thing with David. When he could have brought down Saul, he had Saul as in he had him by the juggler. Is that what it is? Yes, he had him. He could have taken him out, but he didn't only you know, display forgiveness by not, you know, being vindicative. But he also displayed a level of spiritual authority, understanding of spiritual authority, that this is God's anointed. I cannot touch God's anointed. Like I said before, he, has a, he had a heart of love. He sought out David's descendants, Mephibosheth. We know the story, how he took Mephibosheth in when he found out that he was David, he was Jonathan's son. Right, somebody else, and this was Saul's grandson. Somebody else would have, you know, found that this is perfect opportunity, you know, to carry out my own vendetta against the family that had tried so hard to bring me down. But that was not the case. Case David also had a repentant heart, and that is something that you know, a, a heart that would run to God. Nathan came to him and said, you know, oh, this thing had happened, and at the end of the day, he realized that. This evil thing that had been detected was pointing back to him. And immediately, he, you know, he went to God in, in repentance. Also a heart of worship. One who has a heart of God is a worshiper. The same thing we see in David. 
all the Psalms he wrote. And then even at the point where he lost his son, he had been praying and fasting, you know, trusting God. <laughs> we see another attribute there, a person of prayer, a person, you know. And then even when it didn't turn out the way he expected, he just slides into worship. That is phenomenal. Why won't God, you know, call that kind of person a man after his own heart? So those are some attributes I, I believe that, you know, we can learn from, from David and trust God to help us to inculcate and practice as well. And that will also make us people after God's heart. Oh, there's so much that you shared, yeah. um, especially just from one character. I wonder what we would discover in the lives of many more biblical characters. I guess as you were speaking, I'm just wondering, so you had shared, like, just to like summarize some of the characters that you had mentioned. So he desired to do the will of God. He relied on God. Um, he displayed faithfulness. He had faith in God. He displayed gratitude. He had a heart of love, a repentant heart, and he had a heart of worship. For yourself, are they, like, amongst all these different attributes and characteristics, is there any area that you think that for yourself you like to grow more in? Honestly, in every area, I want to just continually grow in these areas, just continuously. Because the truth is, I deceive myself not. I will not, I cannot say, oh, I've gotten to the peak of being a worshiper. I've gotten to the peak of having faith in God. Or by, by the grace of God, yes, I know that I have these attributes, but I know that, you know, I want to keep at it and showing that it is always, 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 always there in every situation. Because there will be situations, really situations that cause us to express these attributes, right? It's situations. And there are opposites attributes that we can display instead of this ones. So for me, my prayer is when I come up against that situation, let me display the right attitude, the attitude that shows that I truly have a heart for God. That is what God is drawn to. God sees that you're in that situation where you could have done everything else but worship, but you chose worship. How do you think God will feel? Where I could have chosen, you know, hate and anger and envy or whatever, but I chose love. Where I could naturally have chosen to hold a grudge, but I chose to forgive. So it's a continuous growing for me. And I kind of think, you know, this is just coming to me. I think that, you know, as Christians, we want to be, we want to watch out for the situations. I always say that everything that comes up against a Christian is an opportunity. It's, a, it's training. But it's for us to be quick to understand that, okay, see, God is trying to work out something here. Don't be too quick to let your natural self take charge. God is doing something here. What is it? Find it out and then do what God expects of you. And at the end of that, there will be, there is a reward. It might not be physical, but there is a reward because that is, you know, like every parent, that is who God is. Oh, thank you for being so honest and transparent with us. Yeah. <laughs> I want to grow in all areas, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I would have you hold on to that thought um, for a minute. I'm going to ask Simon if he has any contributions to the mm -hmm. previous question. Are you sure? Yeah, she really like said it. But yeah. I mean, you might have some. I think why am I putting you on this spot? <laughs> but you might have something to share. I actually don't. Feel yes. free. I actually don't. You I don't? don't? Okay. Okay, so I can then co continue um, with Pastor Laura. I, still on that question, I know you've touched on desiring to grow in all those areas, but what really drives your desire to know God and experience Him more for yourself? For me, I think what drives that desire, a number of things actually. One, just knowing that he gave his all for me and he came for me. 
when he didn't have to. <laughs> and this speaks to my personal experience as far as my work, beginning to work with God is concerned. He didn't have to come for me, but he came. So that is one way of me staying grateful and acknowledging that I truly appreciate and I'm so thankful that he didn't leave me to myself. Then secondly, understanding that that is for me the whole essence of my life. That is where everything anyone would want out of life, that is where it, it springs out from. Just being in the, in the place where God wants me to be. And I understand that all these things help that big goal. Having the right heart, having the ensuring that my, my heart is in the right place with God, continuously growing in that. What I know that does for me is that it keeps me where God needs me to be. And it is in the place that God needs me to be that everything else that I might desire for my life comes to. It is a place where I know that everything that God purposes for my life will meet me at, right? And I know that there's nothing better than God's plans for my life. There's nothing better than that. I mean, I didn't start working with God until I was 25. So I had experienced some life outside of God, right? But working with God has helped me see that everything, there is nothing a man desires. There is nothing a man desires outside of God that is worth anything. So why don't I just stay where God wants me to be and continue to grow in that place, knowing that the very essence of my life will be filled. I was going to say accomplished, but accomplished seems like a you know, something we do on our own. But no, yeah, so that is a drive for me, just knowing that it is in that place that I'll be all of who God desires for me to be, all of what God desires for me. That is where I will find it, everything. Thank you again for, <laughs> and this was so off script, that question, because I don't know why I felt like someone might benefit from that question. And your response, to be honest, thank you for sharing what keeps you going daily as you continue to, cultivate and grow your your relationship with God and even for sharing that you know I started when I was 25 so if I did you can too oh yes <laughs> so count yourself off yes so I had actually I had actually given my life to Christ when I was much younger but I know you've heard the story before right <laughs> but please share me. not not all not all I lost, I lost my dad when I was 15 and I just thought that God couldn't have cared <laughs> But of course, now I know I was wrong. So for me, that really shook me. I mean, I was a teenager. I didn't have a strong Christian support group because it was just me. As far as I knew, I was the only one in my family who was a Christian. I'll be a Christian in school when I come home. You know, it wasn't always as easy. But so that shook me, losing my dad. I had already lost my mom when I was much younger. So when I say he came back for me, he didn't have to. Like 10 years after, he didn't have to. But he came. And for that, I am so grateful. So, 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 so grateful. This is <laughs> decades ago, but you know, and I can't forget it. Do it yourself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I will not. But, um, you know, so that is, that for me is a drive. Like where else, where else do I want to be? I know that this is the best place to be. And if I remain here, everything I need for life and for godliness, right? It will meet me there. It will meet me there. I've always... That's what I've always believed, always advocated, especially, you know, when it comes to serving. I know that, you know, I see that a heart of service is something you're going to talk about at some point too, right? I believe that just being in that place of service, that you know that this is where God wants me to serve. Everything, there is nothing that you will miss out on as long as you remain there. 
doing it joyfully, gladly, with a heart that is just glad to do this for God. Emmanuel, do you want to share? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Emmanuel share refused something. us twice. What's the question? What's it's the question? Like, I, was, I was just going to ask if you want to share what drives your desire for God. Oh, just... <laughs> so you can just see it's on to the next episode. It's just like uh, Pastor Laura said, really, like, human beings were not created to walk this earth alone. I think it was... I forget what sermon it was when Pastor Dara was saying, and he said it was like, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. And it really clicked for me that our reality on earth is not supposed to be that of earth, per se. And the only way we're able to enact, for lack of a better term, like the heaven consciousness is by working with God and actually having a desire for God and establishing his kingdom on earth. And it's only to my benefit to have that desire because, man, life is rough. <laughs> like, without <laughs> Jesus, life is rough. Yeah, it actually is. Like, not not even in terms of like wealth or fame, Mm-mm. but just your mind. Like things like peace, joy, yeah. rest. Yeah, that's that's like yeah. what I'm talking it's about. It's not even yeah. about wealth. Exactly. It's not even about that. It's, it's just like much more s- than that. I can sleep at night. Yes. you know, like I have like one of the greatest things that. Christians have his perspective, right? Like things can happen to us and it will be as if like nothing. Like, are you are you sure you're okay? But yeah, it's just that it's so important to have a desire for God. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for being open with us. And I'm hoping that more people begin to ask themselves those questions mm. and it just allows them to you like know, you alive. Hey God. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Okay, so having discussed the role of the heart, what are some ills that render the heart unclean? And maybe you should even like paraphrase that. So rather than saying it renders the heart unclean, but it kind of like, it doesn't allow us to really experience the fullness of God. Mm, Right? mm -hmm. Okay. To answer this question, I'm going to take us to Psalm 15. And I like how you, what you just added to it. It doesn't help us to experience the fullness of God. Okay, Psalm 15, some we probably know well. I'll read two versions so that we can pick a few things from both versions. So he says um, from verse 1, Who may stay in God's temple or live on the holy mountain of the Lord? Only those who obey God. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be like looking at the flip side of some of these attributes. So only those who obey God and do as they should. They speak the truth and don't spread gossip. They treat others fairly and don't say cruel things. They hate worthless people, but show respect for all who worship the Lord. And they keep their promises no matter what the cost. They lend their money without charging interest and they don't take bribes to hurt the innocent. Those who do these things will always stand firm. Actually, it's two scriptures I want to read to us, even though I said I want to read this in two versions. Let me just quickly read another version. Then I'll go to the other scripture says, um, same Psalm 15, Yahweh, who dares to dwell with you? Who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory? So the answer provided, that's the title of what I'm about to read. It says, they are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. They refuse to slander or insult others. They'll never listen to gossip or rumors, nor will they ever harm a friend with their words. 
They will despise evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. And if we look at some of these attributes, we'll see that they're even attributes that we've mentioned. But I said we're going to be looking at the flip side. So the first version we read says they obey him, right? So that means disobedience would be an ill that will render the heart, what do you say, renders the heart what? Or it puts the heart in the place where it does not experience the fullness of God, right? Disobedience. It talks about speaking, always sincere and always speaking the truth. So, I mean, falsehood is going to draw us away from that place where we can experience God fully. They insult others. They always listen to gossip and rumors, or they never listen to gossip. That's the person that dwells with God. So a rumor monger, more or less, someone who likes Jesus, like Jesus that does not concern you, like somebody else's Jesus that you cannot say in front of them. (laughs) They will despise evil and evil workers. So the person who loves, who is excited about carrying out evil, evil desires, oh, let's just do something that will just upset someone. Because there are people like that. I I don't understand. Well, let me not say I don't understand it. It's just the natural man. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Let me quickly go to the next scripture. But there's something else here that points to spiritual authority that we spoke about um, when we're talking about, about David. Yes, it says, but they show respect for all who worship the Lord. So someone who does not show respect, especially for spiritual authority, that person is pushing themselves far away from God. It doesn't even matter whether that spiritual authority is doing something right or wrong, that should not affect your disposition towards that person. Case in point, Moses and his sister Miriam. In her eyes, Moses was wrong, but God says, hello, is he your servant or mine? Let me be the one to judge this. You just respect him. Because if we find ourselves in that place, then what we're doing is we're pushing ourselves away from experiencing all of God. The second scripture I want us to look at is Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. I'm reading from verse 16. It says there are six or seven kinds of people the Lord doesn't like. Mm. Those who are too proud. Pride, that's a big thing. If We have hearts that are filled with pride. We are not experiencing jack, nothing, as in absolutely nothing. The Bible says that God resists the proud. God resists the proud. So, a prideful heart is going nowhere with God. It says those who are too proud or tell lies or murder. We talked about falsehood earlier on or murder. Those who make evil plans. We talked about that as well in the other scripture. Or are quick to do wrong. That's they are just looking for something evil to do. <laughs> those who tell lies in court or stir up trouble in a family. Right? Those who like conflicts. Who just likes to see confusion. Who just likes to see, yes. Who likes to stir up trouble in a family? Who likes to see, you know, people at loggerheads? So those are some of the things that, you know, we can have in our hearts that can draw us away from experiencing all of God. Hearts that will not follow after God. God says, in fact, God's word says, let's not even, you know, come to the point where God says, do this or don't do that. That is another level. But his word even just says plainly, clearly, okay, I do not yet hear, no, I cannot yet hear God. But his word says plainly to me, don't do this. But that is the one I choose to do. Then what will not happen when I'm hearing him clearly? So, yes, disobedience, pride, hearts that are plot, you know, just quick to plot evil, quick to think up evil, to just 
bring harm to people. There's unfortunately there are people like that who just see it and desire to just pull down people, people who just want to cause conflicts, cause confusion, bring chaos, cause disunity. And these are some of the things that we want to do that heart check mm. about what's the state of my heart, this thing I'm about to do. Why why am I doing what I'm doing? What is the reason behind it? Right? And just making sure that we're in that place where we can truly experience all of God. I hope that answers your question. It does, but honestly, I don't know why I'm doing this to you, this to you today, but it's, as you're speaking, questions are dropping. And That's I feel fine. that they're so hot that we need to <laughs> address them. But I'm going to give Emmanuel um, the chance to say a couple of things, and then we'll just come back to those, those questions. Okay. Then. Yeah, just as Pastor Laura mentioned, the good hindrance is uh, pride. And it really makes that unclean. And I was talking with a friend the other day, and we discovered that the biggest ill of mankind is to think that we don't need a savior. And it's kind of the same mistake that Adam and Eve made. They thought that they could just you know, call their own shots. We could be gods by ourselves. Because that's the offer that, uh, the devil made to Adam. Like, you can actually be, be gods. And when it speaks to God resisting the proud, it was a while ago, like a long time, even before like KICC and Pastor Darius talking about what that word resists meant, it actually means to push away. So it's not like God is like avoiding you. And like God is actually pushing you away from him. Like that's that's what it does to, to anyone who has pride. He like pushes you away. So if you have pride, you cannot ex- like really, your heart is rendered unclean and you cannot experience the fullness of what God has for you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emmanuel, for sharing. Yeah, when Pastor Laura brought up that scripture i was also reminded of pd's yeah <laughs> discussion with us on on, on resisting the, pr- the proud so a follow up to something you actually shared with us in the first question from a scripture that says with the heart man believes would unbelief be part of those ills of the heart that so you know interestingly unbelief i actually have unbelief on my note as part of i was just talking of top of my head, but I actually noted, so some of the things I noted, besides the things I said, pride, unrepentance, you know, just thinking you don't need God or, you know, I can do stuff on my own, unforgiveness, that is something that, you know, God will not have. I mean, I forgive you freely, willingly, in spite of all the wrongs that you have done. So what is this? And then, I mean, we know the parable in the Bible that Jesus told about the same issue of unforgiveness. I've forgiven you so much. What is it with you and forgiving this little thing, whatever it is, no matter how big you, you, you deem it to be, right? And then unbelief, definitely. Unbelief is saying God is not able or there is no God or even if there is, he cannot do what he says he will, right? And Compared to faith that, you know, pleases him, then you would imagine that unbelief is basically us just saying, God, I don't think you can handle this. Let me figure it out on my own. And yes, he'll step back and let you try. (laughs) And um, yeah, a heart that devises evil. So definitely unbelief is a hindrance. Basically, we're saying God cannot or God will not or God is not able when when we exercise unbelief. Yeah, thank you for clearing that up. Um, one more question came up, and because um, we've we've spoken about the characteristics of you know someone that has a heart for God, we've also spoken about the ills that render the heart to be in a state where we can't really experience the fullness of God. And then one of the questions that came up was, what is the role of the Spirit of God in empowering us to have a heart for God? 
and especially showing us those areas for us to walk on. Because one of the scriptures that we had shared in the course of this recording is God saying, I would take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I wish we had the opportunity and the chance to unpack that. (laughs) But also like just continually as you are growing in your faith, the role of the spirit of God and empowering us to ensure that, you know, we, we always have our heart pointing towards doing the will of God at all times. Sorry, can you just say that? Okay. So the question <laughs> no, is, what is the role yeah, of... this main question. What is the role of the Spirit of God in empowering us to have a heart for God? Okay. I mean, God knows that on our own, we cannot be that person that has a heart for Him. He knows, right? That is why that scripture you referred to, you know, we can, we can point to that again and say it is really God, it is really His Spirit that is doing the work, that is doing the work. Now, for us to know what the heart that God desires, the kind of heart that God God desires, we have to go back to scripture. You know, when we become Christians, one of the main things, in fact, the major thing that the Holy Spirit is doing is that he's trying to mature us to the point where when men look at us, they see Jesus. When we act, we're acting like Jesus. When we speak, we're speaking like Jesus. When we do the things that we do, we're reflecting the life of Jesus. But how can we be like Jesus if we don't know what Jesus is like? So we go into scripture daily, continually to see what Jesus is like so that we know who we are becoming. Now, because we're doing that bit, the Holy Spirit is also helping us to see. I mean, he's the one who opens the scriptures to us. The natural man will pick those scripts, same scriptures and will not get jack out of it. But because you have the spirit of God in you, I have the spirit of God in me. As we read those scriptures, there is light. We, there is, you know, an opening of those scriptures. And we understand that, okay, this is where I am supposed to be, you know, walking towards. And you recognize by yourself that on my own, I cannot do this. But we also know that we have the spirit of God there to help us. Because we understand that it is him. He's the one that takes out the hardness in our hearts the stony heart and replaces with the heart of flesh. So like you and I, you know, every Christian out there must at some point cry out to God and say, God, help me. I say like you and I, because I believe that at some point you have come to the place where you have said, God, you have to help me. Oh, I cannot forgive. It is so hard. But I know that that is what you desire. Spirit of God, help me. Strengthen me. And he does. He does. Another thing he does is helping us to see the areas of our lives that needs to be worked on. The same David says in 139, um, Psalm 139, this is a scripture I love so much that you know, I've used to pray a number of times myself. Psalm 139 from verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is David recognizing that you you are the one who searches the heart. You are the one who can see what is wrong with my heart. Show it to me and help me, lead me. by. So God shows him what is wrong with his heart. And he's saying, lead me in the right way. Because I know that without you, I I cannot help myself. So at the end of the day, it is God doing the whole work. We are just surrendering ourselves to that work. We are surrendering ourselves to that process. We're allowing him do the work by giving ourselves over and saying, yes, show me who I am. Show me who I must become. Help me to be that person. 
I put my hands in yours. I put my life in yours. Lead me to that place. And the Holy Spirit, as long as, you know, we surrender and he's not going to force us, he's not going to budge in on us to make us do whatever, right? But he's going to show us. And then we now have the responsibility to say, yes, I see what you're saying to me. Help me. I choose to do right. I want to be right. I want to do the right thing. I can see clearly that what I'm doing is wrong, but this is what is right. You have shown it to me. Now help me. Help me transition from here to there. And he will help us. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of ways the way he helps us is to bring more situations that help us to, you know, just express the person that we must be by his help. He strengthens us. The fact that we've come up against the next situation where we must forgive means that he has provided some measure of strength that we must display in that situation. But will we go ahead and display it? It's a conversation for another day. Yeah, I really like that last part where you had touched on, you know, God bringing us into different situations where he's able to... To forgive or to love yeah. or... I don't know, know why why the, the way I'm about to explain it, I, pardon me if I don't explain it properly, but just to test that we are truly maturing and growing in those areas. That's it. It, it points me back to something that Joyce Meyer says about her own journey. Like, uh, this is something I listened to like a very, very long time, maybe like nine years ago. But she was just saying like, you know, she was trying to work on being... Becoming more of a patient person, because um, she knows that that's something that she just didn't have at that time. And it came down to the little things, such as like you know, you're going to the grocery store, you take a cart, and you're shopping, but it's so hard for her to even put back that shopping cart um, <laughs> <laughs> to back to where, where she. And every time she went back, she would hear God say, you know, put back that cart, or you know, whatever the the instance was at that time where she was shopping, whether it was like patience with the with the with the cashier at that time, like. She just had too much resistance around her. And she she noticed that God always bring her back to that spot, especially that same <laughs> grocery store, to keep on testing up until the point where she started yielding a lot more and she started like, you know, being a lot more obedient. And she that's that's one of the lessons that she always points out. Cause literally I was speaking to someone like two weeks and the person's like, oh no, I'm, I know that this is an area I need to go, but why is God putting me here? I'm like, no, mm. he's putting you there because he's working on you yes. and he wants to show you. Yes. And he was bringing you to an instance, a, a circumstance where you can actually get to display those things that he's mm. he's he's working on you on in private. But now you're actually publicly getting to ascertain that I'm growing in this area. So don't shy away from the experiences. Cause that was persons like, you know, being pain points, like, why am I coming back to the same experience? Because you haven't learned I just want to it do completely. it in private. Mm. I'm like, mm. Mm. <laughs> part of the public experience is you getting to now, you know, actually see yourself maturing in those areas. Um, and you know, that's key. one thing I say about the fruit of the spirit. To a large degree, I believe that, you know, God teaches us the fruit of the spirit. It's not something, it's not a gift that just drops on us, like speaking in tongues, yeah. you know, or laying on of hands. The fruit of the spirit are things that must be displayed, and they can only be displayed in situations love, joy. It has to be a chaotic situation that I will display joy, right? It has to be, you know, a situation mm -hmm. like just me, I mentioned that I'll display patience or self-control. I will always come up against those situations until God knows that, yes, we have learned it. If not, we'll have to repeat that class and, you know, take that exam or that test again, you know, and again and again until it becomes what we do naturally. All right, so for someone that's listening and they're having this unction in their heart that they are meant to develop their heart for God and, you know, growing their relationship with God, how does one develop their heart for God? So it will start with understanding what that heart for God looks like. And we've actually talked about a lot of that here today. But beyond what we have said, that person would have to continually find themselves in Scripture 
with an intent to see who they should be by reason of what they are reading. Not just reading because, oh, you know, I must read my Bible every day, but what does God require of me based on what I have read? Who am I supposed to be based on what I have read? What is the action I must take if I was in this same situation? Am I looking at a situation where I could possibly be in sometime, you know, in the future and understanding that if I am in that situation, this is what God expects me to do, right? So that is a heart that is saying, God, I want to do what you want me to do. That is a heart that is saying, God, I want to be the person that you want me to be. Because they are going into scriptures with that intention to find out what God wants, expects of them, who God expects them to be, right? And making notes, making mental notes, right? By meditating on those things like, okay, this is what Jesus said in this concerning this matter. That means that when I face, you know, a similar situation, this is what I should do. As a young Christian, that's something I, I did a lot of. And for me, I know you probably know this slogan, from, but for me, it was like a continuous watchword. Laura, what would Jesus do? That was what I used to say to myself. Laura, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And honestly, <laughs> I, I dealt with so many different situations that... I just wanted to scream like, God, can you just please take it easy? Because I understood, like I had said earlier on, that this was God teaching me stuff. And a lot of them pointed to the fruit of the Spirit. I saw him, you know, trying to grow me in those areas, right? So that is one step. Going into scriptures, realizing that this work that I have begun or this work I am on, I am supposed to be growing to the fullness of Christ, right? So every time I go into scriptures, I want to know who am I becoming? What does God expect from me? Okay. It just means that the likelihood is that you're going to be in a situation real soon where you need to express that. And that is where you begin to ask God for help. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to strengthen you, to, you know, help you through it. Another step you want to take is search me, O God. That scripture we read in Psalm 139. Search, search my heart. Know my, you know my thoughts. Show me the areas that, you know, we need to work on. And as he shows it to you, he will show you the actions you should take as well. And then you will face situations where you are expected to display those actions. And by, you know, his spirit strengthening you, you will do what is required. So that is, you know, really the steps that um, I would I would encourage anyone who is saying, you know what, I want to grow. I want to have a heart for God. I want to, you know, be a, a person after God's heart. We're talking about the attributes that the person should have. Obedience, you know, um, faith, love, forgiveness, right? And it, when, when you go into scriptures, you will see, we talk about David. David David is a good character to, to study, to see where he displayed all these attributes. And then you just ask God to help you because the situations, the opportunities to, you know, display those attributes will come up. God help me. It's hard for me to love. It's hard for me to forgive. It's hard for me to, you know, stay faithful. You know, sometimes there's unbelief. Help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And then, you know, ask him to also show you and, you will and help at the same time. Thank you so much for sharing. Emmanuel has been nodding 
repeatedly. Have anything to add? You're, you've been learning a lot. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that? How does one develop the heart for God? I believe that a way to develop a heart for God is through fellowship. So a quick summon plug is you can have it all by Sue and Casey Royals to want to podcast or on YouTube. And Pastor mentioned that after saying I do to God, we have to say I will. And I will looks like taking time out to pray and study God's word. And prayer allows us to experience our growth in our spirit, man. And the word of God allows us to experience transformation in our minds. And that's when we actually start to develop a heart for God. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. I'm sure it has been, how long has this episode been? I hope it's not too long, but thank you for exercising okay. the patience. <laughs> As a lawyer, I'm just going to pass it over to you. If you want to pray for our listeners, those that are listening and they're you know, identifying that they can, they can start to develop a heart for God if they have never really you know, come to that, that state or for those that are saying, I can do better. Do you mind just saying a word of prayer for, for our listeners? First of all, I think, you know, she just, because there might be people out there as well who may not even know Jesus yet, but have come to realize that this is a life that they need to live because it's a life every man needs to live. So if you're out there and that is what, you know, you're processing in your mind, like, okay, I need to even begin a relationship with God. I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Then you are in the right space. So for those people, I'll just say to say this prayer after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today recognizing that I need you in my life. I need to begin to walk with you. I need you to be Lord and master over my life. I need to repent from my old ways. And I, I choose to do the same. I choose to repent from my old ways. I choose to turn back from my sins and to begin to walk with you, I accept Jesus into my heart today. I say, come and be Lord and master over my life in the name of Jesus. Father, for these ones and for as many others that are listening to us today or that have listened to us today and are saying that they desire to have a heart for you, we pray for them that you indeed strengthen that desire. We understand that you are the one who puts desires in our hearts. You're the one who draws us to yourself. We ask that indeed that desire will grow stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where they begin to take actions that will help them to indeed have a heart that burns after your heart for you. Father, we ask, O oh God, that you increase their spiritual appetite, their appetite to spend time with you, their appetite to spend time in your word, in your word that reveals to them the people that they must become, the, pe the people that, they, that you desire for them to be. We ask, O oh God, for a strong appetite for your word, a strong appetite for your presence, because the more they behold you, the more they see you, the more they will desire to be like you. And this is the prayer that we all pray for ourselves. This is a prayer that we all pray for ourselves for more and more and more and more of you, wanting more, desiring more, wanting to spend more time with you, wanting to spend more time in your word, wanting to spend more time with your spirit, because that is where we truly see who we are and who we are to be. And we can lean into you. We can draw from you. We can draw strength from you to become that person that desires more of you, that has a heart for you. Father, we all release ourselves to you. We all surrender ourselves to you completely and totally completely and totally. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for our hearts that wants more and more and more and more. 
Thank you for your spirit drawing us, drawing us closer, nearer, drawing us closer and nearer, drawing us into the place of fellowship, drawing us into the place of study, drawing us into the place of prayer, drawing us into the place of worship. Thank you for revealing, revealing to us of who we are and who you want us to be. Thank you for strength, strength that brings us closer and closer and closer to the people that you desire for us to be, strength to do what is required. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you because we are the ones that will that the world will look on and see Jesus. We're the ones that the world will look on and see Jesus and be drawn to the person of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening and staying through with us. Um, I hope you are looking forward to the next couple episodes. And we'll still be talking about heart for God, right? But just in different um ways but yeah thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>